0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, if you were with us yesterday, you kind of know the drill here. We have some business later on we have to take care of as it relates to. And what we learned yesterday about Jalen Carter and kind of what's next and all of that, we'll do what needs to be done, you know, throughout the show, just because we sort of have to. But prior to that, let's do some of the stuff that we want to do. Let's do some of the stuff that we enjoy doing. Let's try to have a little bit of fun here. And I, I think that this is one of those things that because the the you know the carter thing sort of end up being a very big deal yesterday it can almost take a lot of the attention away from things that ought to be getting some attention and i want to make sure off the top of our show that we don't do that because in indianapolis the nfl scouting combine has started workouts i guess what today we had some really cool stuff with some press conference things yesterday well there's also some georgia guys will speak to the media i think today Uh, christopher smith maybe and some of that kind of stuff so we're gonna keep our eye on on, uh, a lot of that but y'all i thought yesterday nolan smith former georgia outside linebacker i thought he just gave a wonderful press conference and nolan's just one of those guys that i think when it's all said and done i was saying this to our video audience before our show began today um when it's all said and done i think that nolan smith's going to kind of end up being one of my favorite players from this era of georgia football and the idea of sort of a favorite player is kind of a child's thing i guess but i think if you're an adult it's okay to have some favorite players the guys i sort of gravitate to as my favorite players associated with Georgia football are the ones that I think sort of stand for something meaningful. And I think that Nolan Smith has kind of always had a little bit of insight into what is meaningful. Nolan comes across to me as a pretty wise guy. I don't mean like wise guy. I mean like he's a wise person. Uh he kind of comes across as as a guy that has a, a little bit of wisdom. I, I thought that prior to uh the 2021 national championship, I thought that Nolan probably articulated at that time what it would mean for Georgia to win a national championship. And I think there's a certain aspect of doing something really big. I think does require an understanding of how big that achievement would be and sort of being OK with the size of that achievement. And Nolan, I thought, framed it really well of, hey, I'm a Georgian. You know, I, I, I'm playing for my state university. We're trying to win our nat- first national championship in a long time prior to what went down in 2021. And Nolan, I think, really articulated all of that pretty well. And, you know, there was the moment after the Florida game in 2021 20, uh, when, you know, there was some criticism for Stetson Bennett, and, and Nolan stepped up and put himself between Bennett and that criticism. Another example of Nolan at times being wise and sort of understanding what needed to be said in a particular moment. There were lots of examples of that over the course of Nolan Smith's career at Georgia. And I think you ought to be remembered for that. And some of the stuff that he said this week at the NFL scouting combine should not be overlooked or forgotten or just, you know, uh, I guess it shouldn't be uh, unnoticed on the basis of some of the other stuff that we've kind of been talking about here. So I want to make sure that we kind of bring some of this to you here right now. Now, first of all, there is a very emotional moment from this press conference with Nolan Smith that I think sort of works better as a video. So if you go to the Dog Nation YouTube page or the Dog Nation, I think it was originally on Facebook, Dog Nation Facebook. But if you go to the Dog Nation video channels, YouTube's probably the easiest way to watch this dog nation youtube page you know watch for the part where nolan for the first time i believe i think he says this is the first time talks about what devin Willick meant to him and how the 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 tragic accident that we're obviously all still talking about the tragic accident involving devin Willick impacted him personally um it's really touching and i think it's worth kind of seeing in sort of the original format so if you go to the dog nation youtube page you can see that for yourself i for instead here i want to talk about a different subject for a moment once again the notion that Nolan is kind of a great leader I think has some 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 wisdom here that, that extends beyond just what is good for Georgia football in this conversation um you know at the NFL Scott combine in Indianapolis on Wednesday the subject comes up of hey being in a place like Georgia that's very rich in talent and you don't just sort of step on the field and kind of dominate right away you have to kind of work your way into a position where you're playing and contributing and, and and doing things like that. You have to be a little bit patient. You were the number one recruit coming out of high school, but at Georgia, every player on the team was some version of a lauded recruit, and so therefore, you have to fight for your spot on a roster like this. And Nolan, it seems, is very proud of himself for for coming to a place like Georgia where you are asked to do some things that are just a little bit harder. And Nolan, it seems rightly so, I would say very proud of himself for enduring that. And this is the kind of message that I don't think Georgia fans should miss. Good stuff from Nolan Smith talking about what it was like challenging himself every day while competing alongside his teammates there at the University of Georgia. Very, very good stuff. From Nolan Smith. Take a listen to this
1: man working hard and loving the program and coach smart oh i just know man he believed in me because a lot of people think i was undersized and i i'm not like other guys you know some guys i wouldn't say take the easy way out but when things don't go their way especially like in life now guys transfer guys leave that's just not how you do you stick in your program you work hard and you prove to your coach that i should be on that field and um i really i had to sit back it wasn't the guys in front of me were better, man. Aziz Hojilar, man, I would just watch guys work. And a lot of people don't say that, like, but I was a young kid. You know, I had a lot of learning to do. I didn't know the system. I didn't know the plays. And that's what, if you don't know your plays and stuff, your coach can't put you out there. And that's where a lot of people fall off at. But, you know, I just worked hard and never, never doubted. And my mom always told me, man, you never had it easy in life. So just keep working.
0: So, there's an aspect of what Nolan Smith says there that kind of reminds me of something that Isaiah Wilson once told me. And I realized that Isaiah Wilson's NFL career kind of turned out to be a little bit, something a little bit different, but clearly Isaiah was a, Uh, a terrific player as a part of the Georgia offensive line years ago. And he kind of talked about some of the same stuff that, you know, he came in the program at the same time as Andrew Thomas. Thomas was ready to play right away as a true freshman in 2017. Isaiah Wilson wasn't. But Wilson said, I was content to sit there and watch Andrew do what he did. I was content to learn from that. And by 2018, now Isaiah Wilson sort of had his moment. He became a big part of the Georgia offensive line after that. In other words, Nolan Smith is not the only former Georgia player, maybe even current Georgia player, Who would tell a similar story of hey i was i was uh humble enough to understand that even though i've got great talent even though i've been recognized as a recruit for having kind of this outsized athletic ability i've still got plenty to learn and the other guys that i'm competing with maybe they're also just as good an athlete as i am but they have the extra dose of experience added to that athleticism they don't currently have and nolan smith said hey i'm willing to to, to do what needs to be done to get the seasoning i need to get so that i can be the kind of player i want to be and y'all you know this not every player is that way and you know i still believe that if you talk about the recipe the formula for how you build a great football team whether it be at georgia or a place like that trying your best and this is one of those things that just seems like it's more art than science but trying your best to to identify the players who are willing to do this that is just not easy, but it is imperative. It is it it is a it is an absolute need to be able to recognize the players kind of coming out of high school who are willing to put in the work and willing to be patient while that work pays the dividends to eventually be a, a really good football player. And so the fact that Georgia has had guys like Nolan Smith, I think it's really good for Georgia. But beyond that. The fact that current players, or at least in one's case, you know, at the end of having been a current player, getting ready to start his NFL future, the fact that contemporary players are saying this about hard work, I also think is really good too. Because, like, I know it comes across as like you know, sort of old man on the porch, you know, kind of you know, back in my day type stuff to have any kind of complaint at all about transfer portal or some of the new stuff that exists in college football. But I do think that all of that makes the job of coaching more difficult. And that doesn't just impact coaches who in some cases go on the NFL, but it also removes at least in some cases the coach's opportunity to be a positive influence in the life of the player. If the player can turn tail and run the first sign of adversity, if if the player can reject the message from a coach because it's just not what he wants to hear in that particular moment, then something is lost by the player if he doesn't get access to that coaching because it really is the coaching in many cases that turns you into the player you get a chance to be. And in this particular case, it's not just good for Georgia that Nolan Smith craved that coaching. I think it speaks well to the future of college football. There are still players that understand, hey, even this day and age in which it's sort of set up for me to get whatever it is that I want in the moment, there is still a lot of value in looking at what I want most later as opposed to what I kind of want right now. I think that Nolan Smith kind of represents that pretty well. Then beyond that, uh, Nolan, it's kind of an interesting moment. You know, sometimes in like these long press conferences, 10, 15 minute type thing, you know, maybe some media members kind of show up late or whatever else. And this just sort of happens. And occasionally the same question will be asked again and in this respect i guess nolan it's hard to hear the questions but i guess nolan was asked a very similar question than he was asked before but kind of cool and very certainly gentlemanly of nolan from the standpoint that uh he didn't mind being asked the same question again because he kind of got back in the pulpit one more time to talk about just how important this idea is for him if you're a georgia fan i don't think you should miss it once again very strong stuff from nolan kind of speaking out against what i guess i'll call transfer culture uh really good from nolan yesterday take a listen to this yeah
1: i just answered that question man it's no, you okay. I, I say it again, you know, kids need to hear this. Like stick it like stick it out. Just cause things get tough, don't run away from things. Like in life, if when things get tough, you're gonna quit on your wife, you're gonna quit on your kids, you're gonna transfer on your wife and kids when things get tough. What if your if you married your wife for ten years and she get cancer, you just gonna get up and leave? That's how I think about it, man. You be a man of character no matter what you do, and that's how my mom raised me.
0: Don't you love that? He says, Hey listen, you gotta be a man of character. Like like that's that's just good stuff and you know obviously in a show like this we talk about georgia football and you know listen i enjoy being a georgia football fan i like it when georgia wins games you do as well most of you do and that's kind of the commonality we share together but beyond that sometimes i do think about this not to be overly philosophical but i do sort of think about this sometimes of is it good to like football this much is football a good thing is is football a net positive on life or is this kind of a distraction that's taking us away from something that's more important And when you hear Nolan Smith say things like that, I think you're left to conclude that that football isn't just fun. It actually might be good. I think it actually probably is good. It's a force for good because it does remind us of how you become, as Nolan Smith says, a man of character. You know, if we didn't have something like football, explaining that would take a long time. Explaining that would be complicated. Explaining that might even be impossible. But with the presence of football, we're able to say, hey, Don't just quit because it gets hard. Don't just transfer because it gets hard. Endure this. And then as Nolan says, you will be able to endure whatever you might have in life after that. That's a very young man speaking very wise words. It's the kind of thing, even in the midst of what's turned out to be a pretty busy week for Georgia. I don't think you should miss so go to the dog nation uh, youtube page watch the full thing uh there's some good stuff from robert Beale. we'll probably get to tomorrow there's some stuff happening in the combine today we're gonna have fun unpacking there too but a lot of georgia players who've had fantastic careers including back-to-back national championships now getting ready to start their nfl futures and we are rooting for them as they do that my name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945, 1st and 15, DogNation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. After that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio at Noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, and we are available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the world famous dog just really happy to have you with us here today and really really thankful for our friends at Merryweather weather and tharp who make all of this possible you know Merryweather weather and tharp by now because you've heard me talk about them so much they are your source for georgia divorce and i understand this divorce is one of those things when you hear me bring this up it's it, you know it stops you in your tracks in some respects Either because you've got bad memories of your own situation you've got anxiety about your future situation you've got kind of this looming, I guess, dread about what might be your current situation for a, an audience the size of ours, just law of big numbers tells you a statistics, uh, uh, hard for me to say, but certainly true. Nonetheless, statistically significant portion of our audience is just going to be facing this situation at some point in time. And if I could wave that magic wand and sort of make this disappear for you and and, and make it go away, obviously, I would if you could work to prevent this from happening. Obviously, I think that's something you should do. But at a certain point in time, you sort of realize, hey, the work has been done, yet the outcome is not going to be what I want it to be. Well, if that's your reality, then at that point in time, it's time to reach out to my friends at Meriwether and Tharp because you want a strong advocate by your side to help make sense of a confusing situation and help set you up for happier, more enjoyable success, uh, You know, more enjoyable season of life coming up uh, when all this is done. That's what Meriwether and Tharp is all about. They understand the the, the kind of, uh, I guess, sort of offshoot conversations that come to divorce, your financial situation, your relationships, all that kind of stuff, including with your children. That's all just really, really serious aspects of this discussion. Mary and Tharp understands that and they want to help you understand it. They want to help you understand how the law can be leveraged for your benefit here. So, uh, let's have that conversation. It's a free initial discussion with one of those Meriwether and Tharp attorneys. You can find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That is theatlantadivorceteam.com. Merryweather and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. So reach out, and make sure you find them today. All right, we're going to reach out to uh, Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a couple of moments. We'll talk to Terrence. NFL scouting combine stuff. Uh, Terrence's thoughts on the Jalen Carter situation. We'll do all of that. Also, before the show is done today, I'm going to have a couple of thoughts on kind of all that we've learned here uh, as of late, too. I'm going to try to keep this short, try to keep it brief, try to keep from being too much of a blowhard on this, but I do want to give a couple of opinions on that. So I'll do that right at the very end of the show. For now, though, let's go around the doghouse. And, you know, yesterday we learned of Jalen Carter's presence at the accident scene that resulted in the death of Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix um the athens clark county police department released a statement like literally right as we were taking the air yesterday that revealed they were charging carter with two misdemeanors uh related to all of this kirby smart released a statement all that kind of took place while we were on the air yesterday well after we were off the air uh jalen carter released his own statement and just because we want to kind of uh, be fair here and get everything on the record Uh, Let's give you what Jalen Carter had to say on his own behalf yesterday. He put this out on Twitter, a statement that says this morning, meaning yesterday, I received a telephone call from Athens, Georgia Police Department informing me that two misdemeanor warrants have been issued against me for reckless driving and racing a charge. Numerous media reports have also circulated this morning containing inaccurate information, he says, concerning the tragic events of January 15th, 2023. It is my intention to return to Athens to answer these misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented, Carter says. He goes on to say, there is no question in my mind that when all of the facts are known, that I'll be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. Once again, that is a statement yesterday from Jalen Carter. Last night, I guess it was around eleven thirty at night, I believe. Uh, Carter did a return to Athens, uh, uh, you know, turned himself in basically to the Athens Clarke County Police Department, and was booked, posted bond, and now he is out on that. So um, we will see what happens with this next. As I told you yesterday, you know the one thing that really no one should should uh, dispute is that Jalen Carter, like anybody else, famous or not, has every right to a legal defense here. And so in this particular case, Carter's going to mount that legal defense. Now, what complicates this is it's also kind of that sort of PR battle he has to fight ahead of the NFL draft, and we'll kind of leave that for him to kind of deal with on, on his own. But when it comes to, like, the actual legal part of all of this, Carter's got every right to a legal defense, which means remaining silent when he wants to remain silent or speaking out when he wants to speak out. He says he's going to bring in some facts that exonerate him. We will see if that is what happens here, but we'll be more than happy to when he speaks on the record about this particular situation or anybody at Georgia speaks on the record about this particular situation. We'll make sure that we bring that to you uh, so that you kind of know what's out there. But that was the statement from Jalen Carter yesterday. And then the action later on that night facing those charges, showing back up in Athens, having after having been, we believe in Indianapolis, Uh, he post bond on those misdemeanor charges. So that is the story on that. And then we will see where all of this goes from here. So, as we said off the top of the program, as we get ready to welcome in uh, Terrence Edwards to the program, you know, there's some stuff we have to do. That kind of feels like one of those things you just sort of have to do uh, because you can, you know, you just want to make sure you, you know, fully on the record about all of this and, and and everybody get everybody's statements out there. Uh, there is all also stuff that we enjoy doing, and some of that's all you know what we're going to do here in a minute. Kind of looking at some of the Georgia guys on their way to the NFL draft. We got some interesting stories out in the SEC, some uh, coaching uh type stuff to kind of give uh, to you there so we got a lot of ground to cover away from the carter news here today too so we'll do what we have to do we'll do what we want to do and we'll try to mix it all together and see how it works out you can judge us when it's all said and done for now uh you've heard enough of my voice how about a voice you love on thursdays it's the great former dog terrence edwards he joins us here on dog nation daily presented by Meriwether and thart From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Always love having Terrence Edwards on this program. Happy to have him here, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And Terrence, let me get the unpleasant stuff out of the way first. Uh, Yesterday, we learned about something that up until yesterday had not been publicly available news. It had been kind of certainly kicked around the rumor mill, but not publicly available news. Of Jalen Carter's presence, and I guess you know, potential involvement in some form or fashion in the traffic accident that uh, killed Devin Willick and uh, Chandler LaCroix, misdemeanor charges, Carter speaks out, he comes back to Athens to face those charges. What is your opinion about what's playing out here right now?
2: Well, first and foremost, you know, we still, you know, say condolences to the family that the two that lost their lives, you know, that's first and foremost is, you know, that I'm thinking about in this situation, no matter what news come out, two people, you know, tragically lost their lives. I'm always thinking about them. Uh, I saw Nolan, what Nolan Smith had to say about death, uh yesterday, and you know that that's that's how the, his teammates feel about him. And you know, with the Carter incident coming out, I'm just thinking about you know when I when when I was in school and all just the childish things that we did as young adults. And uh, I personally just think this is one of those childish things that we thought that never could happen to us. I uh, asked uh, my old teammate George Foster tweeted yesterday, and Damian Garrett tweeted as well. Then I retweeted, like, we know not to go 100 miles an hour inside the city limits, but we all, getting you know, on loop 10 or 316 went at speeds. So I just think this is a, a, a childish act that led to the death of two wonderful people that needed not to be in the situations that they're in right now but my still focus is still with those families grieving in their loss
0: yeah i mean you know terrence i think we can maybe all look back on our life and think about i mean listen i got one speeding ticket for sure when i was going very very fast when i was about 18 i got another one that was really pretty fast for the road that I was driving on so you know certainly you know and I didn't drive anywhere near as nice a car as a lot of these you know football players you know are now but I certainly understand the idea of when you were young you just sort of feel invincible don't you and this is one of those things that now you know you're a coach you work with young players I'm a dad I you know I coach my son's team so I guess in some respects you know kind of involved in some of that kind of stuff too like to me the hardest thing to explain as an adult working with whether it be you know high school students college students you know even children is the idea that the fundamental unfairness of life is is that you can do something over a matter of just a couple of seconds that can define your life forever. And it doesn't feel like it should be that way, but we got countless examples that proves that it is. And that's one of those things of you know, I don't know how you communicate that message necessarily because we've been trying to do this now for centuries and it just doesn't feel like we're ever going to get any better at it. But that's just kind of what life is. When you are young, you sort of feel like you can kind of do anything, you can kind of uh in some respects, you may even feel like you can get away with anything. But we got countless examples that kind of prove that's not true. And as a coach, as a parent, as a you know, a teacher, as a mentor, as a whatever, it just never gets any easier to communicate that, does it?
2: Oh, most definitely. I think the cycle continues from generation to generation because I could definitely remember some of the things, the do's and the don'ts, that my parents told me not to do, and I did opposite. Now that I have my own children, I tell them the same do's and don'ts. And I'm pretty sure they're going to do the opposite as well once they get to driving age. I just think, man, you know, just in this situation, I just think once the kids leave your house, you just uh, pray to God to cover your kids once they leave your, your site and, and pray that they come home to you. Um, because you never think that this will happen to you. Uh, just, I think that is the mindset that we have as kids that we hear about it, but it won't happen to me. And once it does happen close to home, it's a different perspective. But just growing up without the advent of social media, I really didn't know anyone that died in a car accident when doing, you know, some childish behavior. I didn't know anyone. So um, it didn't hit home. But now with the advent of social media and now that you can see it happens over and over and how much it happens, but kids still won't listen. As a coach, I, I tell kids all the time and they're still going to do what they want to do until something happens to them. They they won't understand. I think all of us have been to that to that point where we don't understand what the adults are trying to tell us until it happens to us and we none of us think it will.
0: So you said it so perfectly earlier. There's an aspect of this story that's far more important than football and yet we're also still kind of a football show. So I'll ask you, you know, from a football standpoint, what do you think this means for Jalen Carter? How would you assume NFL teams are going to view the information as we understand it right now?
2: I think they're going to ask. And I think what Jalen needs to do for someone who's been in this situation but not getting in trouble, but uh, been in these type of interviews, having an older brother that was a first-round pick, he just needs to be straight-out truthful and honest because the NFL spends a lot of money investigating these situations, especially with a guy that's projected to be a number one pick. They're going to do their due diligence, and they're going to have the information. And I think most teams just want Jalen to be honest and, and open. And I, I personally uh, don't think, you know, if this is going to drop him down the draft board tremendously. There may be some teams like we just don't. Uh, want to take them? We just don't. Okay, but I think he's still gonna be a, a, a top player, a top number one pick. Jalen just have to go in there and with these with, with these owners and personnel, GMs, coaches, and just be straight up honest and tell them exactly what happened because nine times out of ten they already know.
0: So moving on, I guess a more happy, a little bit happier subject: the other Georgia players in Indianapolis competing for their chance to. Uh, earn the respect of NFL personnel men you know we played some audio of uh, Nolan Smith a little earlier you know how much do you love Nolan uh, Terrence you know sort of speaking out about you know his decision to sort of stick it out of Georgia or the value of sticking it out of a place like Georgia and competing and and, you know, maybe not having the whole world handed to you right when you first get here, having to sort of fight to earn that. That's a former number one recruit nationally, embracing the notion of hard work and really challenging other players at Georgia and across college football to embrace that hard work, too. That's, I think that speaks well to the future of football if a guy like Nolan understands just how valuable the hard part of football still is.
2: Right. You know, I got to know Nolan a little bit just because we share a common coach. My high school coach, Rick Tomlin, Yeah. Uh, who coached me at Washington County High School, actually coached Nolan at Calvary Day for a few years before he transferred to IMG. And I listened to uh, this morning what, what Nolan had to say, and that's the old school approach that, you know, times is going to get hard and you you have to stick it out sometimes. If, if there's no wrongdoing for any bodily harm or anything to that matter, uh, you heard me say this over and over, um, six months is not determined appropriate time for someone to transfer. And there's times that I believe there's appropriate times to transfer. Uh, There's three. Joe Burrow. I I give examples for him. I think that was an appropriate time for him to transfer. I think he, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had graduated in three years. He fulfilled all his obligations. He didn't see a pathway to playing at Ohio State. And he used the transfer portal in the right way, in my opinion, to transfer and, and gain eligibility immediately. At LSU, but just kids transferring out within one year, six months, like you, you don't know what's going to happen uh, with your career. And I, and I'm, I stand with Nolan on that and that part of the transfer portal. And he didn't come in and automatically. It's been the, the top player in his class and earned playing time. He had to wait his turn. And I, and I say this all the time, and everybody can go look. Uh, the the first national championship team, the twenty one twenty two team. All those immediate players waited their turn. None of them came in and started immediately besides Keelan Ringo, if I'm not mistaken, Jordan Davis of the world, the N'Kobe Deans of the world. They all waited their turn. And when their turn came, it was time for them to be the leaders of the team. So you can stick it out. If you have that attitude to stay, those are the guys that I want on my team.
0: No, I think that's exactly right. When you look at some of these Georgia guys who are, you know, trying to make their move here, both at combine, pro day, the next few weeks leading into the draft, which story or maybe couple of stories sort of stand out as most interesting to you?
2: Uh, I think Chris Smith has got an interesting story yeah. uh, for someone who who's known Chris since he was in high school, and um, Chris came, you know, as a low four star, maybe a three star cornerback. I don't think a lot of people knew Christmas as a football player. I think they saw what people had to say about his, his game. He, he's another kid that waited his turn. He transitioned into playing safety, um, uh, when he was original slaves to play cornerback, um, a guy that could have transferred when other guys was, was playing ahead of him. And I say this all the time. Um, Richard LeCount is one of my favorite players of all time. Just his personality, just his playing ability. But Chris Smith had a better career at the University of Georgia than one of the higher-ranked players that Georgia has ever received. Him and Chris Smith played the same position, and Chris had a better career at Georgia than Richard did. So I just think Chris is one of those guys that you just continue to fight, continue to fight, and that's, what, that's the family that he comes from. Yeah a family of fighters he has a brother that just transferred from kansas state to Georgia southern who's a heck of a football player as well tj smith and i've known that family for a long time but chris story and him getting an opportunity to play everybody go and look up hate bill chart, yeah and see what type of facilities sure. they have where they come from don't have a practice field but produce some of the the better football players in the state of Georgia. so chris smith i'm happy for i'm glad he's he got the opportunity to show everyone the talent that he's possessed.
0: so what do you think you know not to get too deep in the weeds here but with the case of smith you're talking about a guy as a safety that's sub 200 pounds and he may even be sub 190 uh, how do you think nfl teams are going to view that is that the kind of thing that they shouldn't care that much about because the tape speaks for itself you know does the size matter when you're trying to make that transition to the nfl chris is obviously not the biggest guy in the world but very few players played bigger than he did for Georgia. How much of what the scales say matter when it comes to Chris?
2: I think GMs and, and pro personnel people still have a model of what they think players should look at. So I think Chris is going to get deemed a little bit because of his natural size. But I'm going I'm to go and, and have people go look at another Georgia kid that plays for the Cincinnati Bengals named Mike Hilton. I think he came from Santa Creek. Okay. It's is probably one of the, the better nickel corners in the NFL. And I think Chris can ultimately play uh in the nickel. He's tough enough to play in the box and have cover skills because he was a corner to be able to cover some of the guys that played in the slot. So he's gonna get Dean. I think if Chris was six feet, two hundred pounds, I think he's a first rounder, but because he's Probably going to be measured at five ten. I think it was at team bowl, one hundred eighty eight pounds. That's going to be a little red flat for him. But once you turn on that tape, his football skills and his football smarts will take over. But the NFL is all about how the look of a player more than, in my opinion.
0: Do we lose Terrence? Uh, we lost Terrence uh see if we can get him back on for one second I want to ask him one more question if we can so uh what Terrence is saying there about uh about uh Christopher Smithing is all really well said and it kind of goes back to I was joking with our video audience I think I did this yesterday and I did a little bit this morning too you know I was an NFL GM like the only thing I really care about is were you good in college like I don't get that into the combine and I realize that that life is more complicated than what I'm making out to be right here I, I do understand that that life is more complicated um but for me if you played well in college, I'm going to assume that you have a chance of being good in the NFL. And some of these guys that maybe didn't quite show it in college, but they're, you know, they're lighting the world on fire and some of the drill times and things like that. When it comes to the NFL scouting combine, you know, I would always just be kind of suspicious of that. I realized that, that as I said before, the actual sport of football is slightly more complicated than that. But for me, it's the tape for Smith that I speak the most there. And it sounds like uh, certainly Terrence Edwards kind of agrees with that, too. Interesting comparison there. Terrence, let me give you one more thing. And thanks for being back with us here. Let me give you one more question before we let you go here today. So if we look at Jalen Carter's certain first round pick, even with the stuff that's going on, that that's not I don't believe in dispute. I would say that Broderick Jones is a likely first round pick, uh, more likely than not, certainly. So let me give you that kind of next group of Georgia guys. Between Keeley Ringo, Darnell Washington, Nolan Smith, from that trio right there, which of those guys would you most emphatically make the case for being deserved of taken in the first, being deserving of being taken in the first round?
2: Uh, I think Keely. I think Keeley is. Uh, everyone knows how I feel about him. I think he's a a world of a talent, have all the skills that he needs to possess to be a great corner. Um, but like I said, the NFL is about how it looks and he's going to brand it look he's going to wow people at his pro day he's going to wow people at the at the compound it's probably going to be almost six two, two 205 pound corner that's probably going to rub run sub four three so he's going to wow people and a lot of times gms and people start looking at players in shorts and t-shirts instead of helmets and shoulder pads. Yeah. And they get bumped up the draft board. So I think Keely is going to just amaze people. And the NFL people, they are, they have big egos. They're going to see Keely as this big specimen, which he is. And they're like, I can fix him. He can work with me. And they're going to draft him. And he is a first-round talent. Uh, So I think he's probably going to shoot up the draft board in shirts and t-shirts. In shirts and t-shirts. Because he's going to just wow everyone with his
0: athletic ability uh that's good stuff terrence i appreciate your time and remind folks as well if you don't mind uh speaking of wowing folks you're wowing uh folks every day and the guys that are working with you are also drawing plenty of praise themselves uh this time of year with that terrence edwards wide receiver academy getting better at catching the football getting better at all the things that wide receivers and tight ends things like that they're supposed to be able to do you're helping them do it so if people want to get more of that personal instruction how can they reach out and get in touch with you
2: Yes, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy.
0: Hey, great stuff, Terrence. Thanks for being here. I look forward to talking to you next week. Thank
2: you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league.
0: This is SEC through. love Terrence on the show. I really do. I, one of my favorite times of the week is when I get a chance to talk to Terrence Edwards. He just brings a lot of football knowledge, and it kind of comes from a place of, hey, I've been there, done that. I, I just like what he brings to the table, and I'm always happy to have him as a part of our show i'm also happy to go cruise around the sec with you courtesy of royal caribbean of course talking about cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean makes me wish i was on a royal caribbean cruise vacation right now a lot of you know we just got back from one ourselves we were on wonder of the seas largest cruise ship in the world and i gotta tell you it was an unbelievable time you know going to all the various locations and some of the locations we were actually at are going to be destinations we're also visiting as part of our dog nation cruise too went to nasa on the bahamas we went to perfect day coco k and you know i love perfect day coco k because i am fully convinced it's just sort of a sure thing that you know i had a chance to be there back in december everybody who was there loved it i had a chance to be there with our dog nation cruise back last april everybody who was there loved it uh, my wife and i were lucky enough to be there last february there as well once again just the hit of the whole trip. My kids on this trip we were on this past week, they'll tell you that was probably their favorite part of the entire deal. It is a private island oasis right there in the Bahamas. And for me right now, even though we talk about all the big ships and the, the way in which the the kind of new categories of Royal Caribbean cruise ships continue to kind of push the envelope, what it means to take a, uh, a cruise vacation. For me, the thing that sets out Royal Caribbean from anybody else, land-based vacations or anything else, is that private island in the bahamas that you can only get to on a royal caribbean cruise ship and you could only enjoy as a part of a royal caribbean cruise vacation you've heard me talk about perfect day Coco okay you ought to investigate this yourself you ought to search it online you ought to uh you know talk to our friend jessica slater let her tell you more about it there as well jessica and i were actually on the same cruise together we took a couple pictures together maybe one of these days i'll show you uh our, our pictures uh there from our royal caribbean cruise vacation that's uh, one of the few pictures i will show you everything else is sort of uh what happens in the ship stays in the ship. But that we will show you. Uh, you can also uh, talk to Jessica, 770 718 9147. That's 770 718 9147. You can also uh, check out royaldogs.com, great website that she's put together, royaldogs.com. And that will uh, give you everything you need to know about the Dog Nation cruise coming up and every cool thing coming up with the Royal Caribbean in the very near future. Jessica's an expert on all of that, and you can talk to her about that today. All right, a little bit of a coaching theme to our. Uh, sec through here today starting with this charlie strong who's been about everywhere and is obviously a respected name in football is reportedly on his way to alabama now uh and it looks like he's going to be a quality control analyst there with the crimson tie now i think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on at alabama and a lot of it sort of leads to the question of well is bama still bama you know is this still the the robust dynasty that it's been um you know in the past or is this a little bit of a declining empire here right now when it comes to crimson Tide, i did notice the other day we may do something on this more at some point in time for instance do you know who bill conley is the sort of math nerd guy from espn he does his sp plus analytics rankings i saw where alabama was preseason number four in those rankings to my knowledge this is the lowest alabama's ever been uh by probably a pretty wide margin in terms of a preseason numeric projection for the upcoming year so that's one of those things that alabama sort of has facing this upcoming season of well, is this still Bama? You know, you know, analytics don't love him as much as they used to. No obvious starting quarterback in place here, although someone like Ty Simpson may turn out to be pretty good, you know, not really hitting the transfer portal for Jameer Gibbs this year, the way they would have done a year ago. Kind of hard to figure out, you know, exactly what's going on there. But to be fair and balanced here for a moment, if you want to know, um, you know, an example of the fact that there is at least still a perception out there that Bama is still Bama, When it comes to the really valuable asset of quality control analysts, the kind of guys that this is what Will Muschamp at one point in time was at Georgia before becoming first special teams coach, then defensive co-defense coordinator, what Mike Bobo was at Georgia prior to becoming offensive coordinator, what Buster Faulkner was at Georgia prior to becoming Georgia Tech's offensive coordinator. When it comes to these quality control defensive analysts or just analysts in general, they are really important to the success of a team. People who follow Georgia closely can certainly explain how a lot of these kind of quality control guys have ended up being impactful. It, the best teams will have the best of them. And in some cases, the best teams have the most of them, although no one had more than Florida and that clearly didn't work for them. But that's a different topic for a different day. Uh, the point here, though, is, is that the best available analysts, though, are are only going to choose to work at a small handful of schools. Georgia can hire the best available former coordinators, guys with a lot of experience, guys that had other career options. In some cases, Georgia analysts have chosen to take quality control work at UGA, much smaller salary as opposed to on-field jobs other places just cuz it's good to work at a place like Georgia. Well, once again, to be fair and balanced, at least as fair and balanced as we're willing to be, um a guy like Charlie Strong going to Alabama in a situation like this is also an example of that there's still the perception of folks within the coaching ranks that hey it's still good to be connected to this Alabama program the things aren't 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 uh receding enough yet that a guy like Strong who's got options doesn't want to potentially hitch his wagon to a place like Alabama and I'm not saying that oh Charlie Strong you know kind of standing at the periphery of this program is going to change the fortunes and the outcome for the upcoming year but it is still a little bit of an indication that there is some strength in place at Alabama. And a team that lost two games in the regular season a year ago, maybe they come back and replicate that same thing, and maybe they go 10-2 and two again. Uh, But also, maybe there's a chance that they don't. Maybe maybe they unseat LSU as the SEC West champion. Maybe they stand on the other side of Georgia, who we believe is going to win the SEC East and will be the final SEC championship game of the division era. Bam is a fascinating story for this upcoming season. I'm not going to pretend that it isn't. By the way, speaking of LSU, they also make a little bit of a coaching move. Once again, (laughs) promoting an analyst, John Jancic, who yeah was Georgia at this point in time i think that john jansen has actually coached everywhere i think this i think this may be the final uh coaching stop for his coaching career he can now check every box of every school in the entire country uh he's been like cincinnati defensive coordinator he's obviously worked at tennessee uh Georgia a couple of times i believe he was an analyst at georgia what was he here in 2021 a lot of this kind of stuff runs together after a while but um the point is jansen has coached everywhere in a lot of places he's coached twice uh and now he's going to be outside linebackers coach and um a special teams coordinator i guess you'll call him that for lsu and it sort of speaks to me as well of we don't talk a ton about the way in which certain teams divide their coaching responsibilities but this could become a little bit of an interesting thing in the future where you know at one point in time there was the debate of well do you want a special teams coordinator or not and i remember back during the mark Richter there here in georgia when the georgia special teams weren't performing very well when you had some sloppy special teams play you know there was this thought of well if you just sort of dedicate a special teams coordinator all this then it would get better and for a while that seemed like a thing that some teams wanted to do but then you kind of seem like it's kind of gone more in vogue lately to kind of divide those special teams responsibilities uh or or you know whatever else but the point is is you know now georgia's got two defensive backs coaches somebody to work with the safety somebody to work with the cornerbacks because you're playing nickel coverage more often than not that's five defensive backs in the field that's almost half your defense, it seems like you might want more than one coach responsible for that many players in the field at one point in time. Also, some teams have quarterbacks coach. some teams don't. Uh, I think the division of responsibilities among assistant coaches is one of those things we maybe in the future should pay a little bit more attention to. And to speak of LSU here for a moment, the uh, staff that Giants now finds himself on, this is also kind of a fascinating thing. Uh, you know, a lot of times you see the big step up in year two for a coach. Last year, uh, brian kelly took a big step in year one is this a true authentic legitimate playoff contender uh, is this a team that's better than alabama um the early indications are is that alabama is getting a little bit more respect in terms of actually competing for the playoff but i'm not really quite so sure how you get there on that given the fact that i saw lsu beat alabama last year in a game that didn't really look like a fluke so one way or another it's the end of the era here in the SEC, the final years of that era in a lot of ways have been defined by Alabama and LSU competing with each other in the SEC West I believe that's going to be true again this year there as well and then one more story to give you here for just a moment news coming out of Tennessee and if you're a Georgia fan there's at least something kind of funny about this because a lot of these are sort of blasts from the past names I want to read this straight from uh, cbssports.com here for a moment because it's a little bit complicated language but you've got a handful of former Tennessee assistants who've been given show cause penalties for violating NCAA rules this is stemming back from the uh, Jeremy Pruitt era as Tennessee coach. So the uh, it's actually Sports Illustrated, I should say, that identifies the, those who are getting these NCAA penalties. Uh, it's inside linebackers coach Brian Niedermeyer. You will remember him as the uh, – that, that's the big bank takes little bank guy, right? Isn't he the one that did the big bank takes little bank guy on uh, – on, uh, uh, uh jim cheney when he got hired there i think it might be uh you got uh outside linebackers coach shelton felton shelton felton's the valdosta high school coach now but he was also crisp county coach when uh, big cat bryant went to auburn so that's a little bit of a blast from the past and then you got player personnel drew hughes a uh, director of player personnel drew hughes and student assistant michael magnus so they have I think this is being described as sort of negotiating plea deals with the NCAA. Uh, they get the show-cause penalty. Among the names not mentioned, though, is Jeremy Pruitt. So apparently Pruitt is going to fight this to the end of the NCAA. Uh, I think you can probably read between the lines on this that if all of this was clear on Pruitt, he would have had a much better chance of being Alabama defensive coordinator. The reason that Bama hires Kevin Steele instead of Jeremy Pruitt, I think you're left to conclude, is probably because of some of this NCAA stuff. So it sounds like for now, Jeremy Pruitt's still fighting to clear his name. Who knows when any of this stuff gets resolved? But a couple of guys that have worked for him have taken their deal. They get the show cause. And so we'll see where all of this goes after that. But a couple of names of note for Georgia fans kind of in the mix there on that. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, really quickly here i want to give you a quick shout out about something that's really fun coming up uh, obviously we've had warm weather as of late that's been really kind of nice uh, a lot of you are kind of getting back to your kids playing baseball again my son started I know our producer michael carvel he's got his kids out there playing baseball softball there as well but also major league baseball on the way back too. in fact for the atlanta braves spring training right now going on in northport florida and if you want to follow all of the great storylines the braves as we get ready Uh, For the upcoming season, as the Braves get ready in spring training here right now in the uh, Grapefruit League down there in Florida, I want you to watch "Behind the Braves" presented uh, presented by Global Payment on YouTube right now, and it kind of gives you a really cool sort of behind-the-scenes inside look at what's going on with the Braves right now. Vaughn Grissom, Orlando Arcia, competing to become the next starting shortstop michael harris i would say on his way to kind of feeling like one of the next big stars for this braves team maybe one of the big uh, big stars across uh, all of baseball uh there as well you got a real battle going on the Braves starting rotation too we actually talked about some of that yesterday on our uh, first and 15 here on the uh, dog nation video channels dognation.com, the dog nation app well you can watch this on behind the braves presented by global payment right there on youtube it's a really cool look at what's happening with atlanta right now of course the uh braves trying to win that sixth straight national league east i grew up at a time which the braves are putting together a great string of division wins They're working on another pretty good streak here on that right now. So uh, here's what you can do. You can go to YouTube behind the Braves. It's presented by Global Payment and get a really cool look at the Atlanta Braves in the Grapefruit League there at Northport getting ready for a really fun season. Uh, Some really exciting young faces making this Braves team. One of the most fun teams to watch in all of Major League Baseball and certainly my favorite team, many of yours there too. So get a good look with them behind behind the Braves on YouTube. Uh, Check them out here right now today. All right. So with that said, I want to get into something more serious here for just a couple of minutes. And I promise you, uh, you know, no one wants to be preached at. No one wants anything too heavy handed. So I'm going to be kind of quick with this here for a moment. But there is something I want to sort of I, I've been thinking about this. Let me say it that way. I have been thinking about this in the aftermath and sort of what we learned a little bit yesterday involving the Jalen Carter situation, his presence at the accident that that resulted uh, in the loss of life for Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix and you know kind of where Georgia goes from here on all of that and like the one thing that's been kind of reverberating in my head a little bit is something Kirby Smart said last summer unrelated to any of this of course but kind of an overarching message for his team And I think the words that Smart said back then I think ought to be taken really seriously now and I believe that Smart's probably ready to if not already in the midst of delivering a similar message to this but i can't help but think a little bit lately about something that smart said last year i'm going to play this clip for you then i'm going to explain why i think it's so relevant right now at sec media days in atlanta last july smart talking about the kind of mindset he's trying to instill in the georgia program about 20 seconds worth here here's kirby
2: Our guys have asked questions, and we've done a lot of studies on how the mighty have fallen. So we we have skull sessions. We have uh, 15-minute meetings, 20-minute meetings in breakout groups, and we've actually taught how the mighty have fallen. I'm talking about in business. I'm talking about in sports. I'm talking about in history. So you learn from the mistakes of others.
0: So how the mighty fall is a phrase that Kirby Smart used there a few times. Now, I'm a little bit of a geek. I like to read. Uh the phrase how the mighty fall i believe uh comes from a book written by a guy named jim collins uh, i like books like this jim collins is a very very good writer terrific speaker speaking on the stuff that he writes about but he's kind of a business author he's got several really famous books one of those is how the mighty fall and he what, what he does in the book, is he goes and looks at companies that used to be really successful, and if you're in the in the company at the time, you would have never imagined that one day they may fall, that one day they may fall apart, one day they may you know fizzle, and yet you can certainly study business over the course of decades and see plenty of examples of that. And so, what Collins tried to study is the commonalities that connect a lot of these great organizations that eventually kind of fizzle out, that kind of fall, how the mighty fall that is what Jim Collins studied. And I'm assuming that Kirby Smart using that phrase, I'm assuming here that probably comes from the Jim Collins book, How the Mighty Fall. And if you look at that book, many of you have probably read it. If not, I think you'd probably like it if you're interested in, in that kind of thing at all. The one thing that Collins says in the book is, is that sort of the first step towards a mighty organization falling. The first step towards that happening is, and I love the way in which Collins sort of phrases this, he says, the first step towards all of that is, is that there is a hubris born of success. Now, hubris is sort of a fancy word. It's just simply means arrogance. There is a hubris born of success that at a certain point you are so successful that you believe that, I guess to say it in my own language, that you are so successful that you believe that you're always only going to be successful. And anything you do will result in success because you are a successful person and those of us who've lived a little bit it doesn't take us very many examples to sort of prove that no that's not true that, that no matter how good you think you are in one moment you are only a day away a moment away from realizing you know uh just how possible failure really is or, or or or, or, or you know downturn you know really is and i can't help but think about those words from kirby in light of what's going on right now with with some folks who've you know made decisions they regret would regret or or even when it comes to georgia football itself kind of you know i told you yesterday i'm not quite so sure i love everything about the way that georgia's kind of handled this either and a lot of this from Georgia kind of stems, from, you might be led to believe, from the success the organizations enjoy. I mean, Georgia's won back-to-back national championships. The players who've been a part of this program have done such a good job of uh, contributing to all that success. That, that finding the humility necessary to know that you've still got to make good decisions. Finding the humility necessary to know that you've still got to to, to be careful that's not an easy thing to do, but finding some way to sort of pump that humility into the program for the individuals involved with the program to pump that humility into their own lives to to remind you of, hey, just because I've been successful doesn't mean I'm not one bad decision away from ruining all of this. I just think that's one of those important things to keep in mind. And as I told Terrence Edwards a little earlier, I don't know how you communicate this because people have been trying to communicate this for darn near centuries, and it just seems like it's never easy to do. But it never stops being relevant that as an organization once you've been successful It's easy to believe that's all you'll ever be or as an individual once you are a part of success And once you've been praised for being a great athlete being this being that it's sort of easy to believe That's all you ever will be But all of us are just simply a sum total of the decisions that we make And a bad decision can change everything even a bad decision made in an instance Even a bad decision made over the course of a couple of seconds can change everything and so I guess the only thing you can hope to uh, take from all of this is that in the future. There's more clarity about that kind of thing. It's obviously a terrible tragedy. It's the kind of thing that we feel like we're going to be dealing with for time to come. And I guess everybody's going to have their two cents on it. And I guess that was mine there. So no easy way to transition back out of that into something happier and uh, more enjoyable. But we do like to try to have fun around here and we uh, conclude things with our golden shoe. In fact, we've had the studio used uh, for different things the last couple of days. And because of that, I guess I have forgotten to kind of put. Uh, our great mascot, Eddie the Blind Squirrel, on the desk where he belongs. He is the mascot of Dog Nation Daily. Even today, I noticed that I have not put Eddie back on here. So it's a little bit unusual for me because we haven't had a lot of folks using the studio. But we've had some of that the last couple of days. I got to remember to make sure that Eddie is right back where he needs to be. But some of our audience was noticing that Eddie was missing. In fact, i'll show you that as a part of our golden shoe here today frankie fibonacci writes in frankie's always really funny he says uh me visor talk uh w uh, that's that's a green soldier and uh, jay shops were all worried about where eddie was in the show today but i found him it seems he was up north in indianapolis helping mike griffith you see uh if you're watching a video anyway you see eddie at the combine saying ba there are more dogs than gators here at the combine which you uh, love the idea of that and so that's pretty funny stuff from Frankie, and a nice way to kind of get us back on kind of a happy note to close at the show today. And by the way, speaking of those lousy, stinking Gators, two hundred forty days from right now—nice even number, two hundred forty days from right now. Dogs back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown, and we'll see all of you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and on the podcast. I'm now off the RS Andrews Podcast Cool Down. We'll take your comments here, presented by R.S. Andrews. I want to go back to something that Red Dog 1 wrote a couple of days ago. And this is on the, you know, uh, the sort of the subject of actual football on the field. Uh, We've talked some about, you know, how you judge Mike Bobo and things like that. I want to read you just a a couple of things here from Red Dog, and I want to have something to say about that. Um, About uh, uh, Bobo, he says, or at least about the offense, he says, we scored 150 points in our championship run in 2022. I think he means... um, between the sec championship the uh the peach bowl and the national championship well, there's really more than that right wasn't it 50 40 60 i guess that is 150 um you know more in, in, slightly in excess of that he says now he certainly didn't need that many points to beat tcu but they came in handy against lsu and ohio state um uh so okay so he's talking about a couple of different things let me let me also kind of break up this into two points because what Red Dog brings up here is actually something that I was talking about on video a little earlier today too about, hey, we've discussed some about um, uh, about how you judge the success of the Georgia offense. And one of the things I said before is transition to Todd Munkin and um, – transition to Todd Monk and to Mike Bobo that one of the things you will judge it by is does Georgia score points in the biggest games that it plays and no doubt it turned on the offense in a big way when you got to the postseason this year and it kind of did the same thing a year ago too 30 plus against Alabama although I guess one of those was a defensive 40 plus against uh, Michigan that Georgia in like postseason game situations has found a way to score a lot of points that's one of the way you'll judge that but Red Dog also kind of going back to something else that I talked about a couple of days ago related to my belief that you know the trend of two consecutive years of less scoring than not in college football scoring being down year over year over year first time we've had consecutive years of reduced scoring since 2004 2005 to I me mean, that means something and it kind of means the kirby smarts brand of football um that a lot of folks thought college football was trending away from in the last couple of years it sort of trended more towards that not just because georgia has won two straight national championships but Michigan, similar style has won the Big Ten two years in a row. Um, you know you haven't really seen that sort of West you know Big 12 spread offense type thing I mean you know Lincoln Riley, bad defense nowhere to be found in the college football playoff conversation that that a bad defense is a playoff disqualifier and it has been now for a couple of years and Maybe I'm just not articulating this as well as I could because people seem to misunderstand this a lot and they don't seem to fully understand the point that I'm making, which if I'm the professional communicator, that means I'm not communicating as well as I could because what Red Dog says is it was a weird show today when I mentioned this. He says "He says we couldn't stop Ohio State, uh, uh, had to miss the field goal for us to win. LSU just ran out of time and we uh, got a big lead on them by boat racing them. Thank goodness. He says it's a weird show today. I think he's referencing you know, what I said there about the fact that about what I'd said about the, you know, the balance between offense and defense. But in a lot of ways, Red Dog is sort of making my point for me, is that did you enjoy playing 50-30 game against LSU? I'd say you probably didn't. Well, that's what a lot of teams are playing on a regular basis, and that is the sort of chaotic game that's completely out of control. And while that was true and present for Georgia in December of this year, and while the Peach Bowl, what it was what it was on New Year's Eve, Those games are also dramatic outliers in comparison to everything else. And, you know, we get so fixated on what Georgia does that we don't realize how different most schools are than Georgia. A lot of the teams that are playing top five level offense, which is the most part what Georgia has the last couple of years. They're playing defense outside the top 50. Um, Georgia, by comparison, is basically the only team in the country that over the course of the last two years has found a way to be a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense that kind of balance in the program in other words yes Georgia has made a concerted effort I believe to improve its offense and yet um and yet it has done so in such a way that it has not sacrificed defense in fact let me kind of put uh, an even finer point on this have you enjoyed seeing Georgia score 40 points per game which is basically what they've averaged the last two years my guess is you probably have all right let let me ask you a little bit more loaded question would you want to see them score 50 points per game well on the one hand you might be led to say well of course i would more points the better but i'm actually not, not quite so sure that's the case now in the case of 2019 lsu that worked out to a national championship in the case of 2020 pandemic alabama that worked out pretty well but there does seem to be a moment in which getting better offensively hurts you defensively and Georgia being able to hold on to its defensive prowess while also adding to its offense, that has been the recipe for success. It's that complementary brand of football that uh, has served Georgia very well here. And in a day and age in which at least briefly, we'll see how long this trend lasts, but at least briefly, the trend of runaway train offenses scoring more and more points each and every year that seems to have subsided a little bit and it has subsided just in time for a defensive-minded georgia team a team that still embraces defense and physicality in a way that not every college team does that trend has subsided just in time for the dogs to step up and win two straight national championships. so if you disagree i'd love to hear from you um but maybe this is also on me to kind of articulate my point in a more effective way Anyway, we'll come back and do it all again tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and our R.S. Andrews cool down there as well. Find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. If your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. So find them online at rsandrews.com. you will have a great day. We will look forward to talking to you then.